To the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagberdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the SDSU podcast. I'm Andre Hagberdian and joined by Paul Garrison, my co host. What's up, Paul? What's going on, Andre? Are we a little lazy, man? What's up with us? We've only been covering the practices and the scrimmages. And produce tons of articles, but but we've been uh, slacking a little bit on the podcast. I know we hit them with uh, four podcasts in a week. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, good. Our averages are still good. <laughs> the, the average is good, yeah. But uh, it's been like a week and a half. We had people asking us to do uh, a live podcast after the scrimmage on Saturday night, which that I didn't walk out of Snapdragon until like ten thirty, ten forty five. So. That was hard. I even had somebody ask me to get on spaces and do a play-by-play of the scrimmage uh, on Twitter. I think I think think that might have been illegal. Yeah, yeah, against regulation. No, I, 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 you know, we've obviously been very busy, but I I definitely think that uh, probably could have squeezed one in, maybe. But here's this one, and and I'm pretty excited about being able to talk about um, San Diego State, the scrimmage, Um, and I actually think it's a little bit better. That we're doing this now because this will come out on Thursday morning. San Diego State is presently like having a scrimmage at Snapdragon where they're formulating their final depth chart. Um, but we can talk about this last scrimmage and then you covered practice. And so I think that, you know, after they watched film, the staff watched film, the way that they rolled out some of the, the different things and the different players um, at the practice, I think gives an indication a little bit, um, at least how they're thinking. So I think it, it, it actually is a really good spot to be able to, to record a podcast. Yeah. The scrimmage went well, our typical scrimmages in past years that we've covered the team. Most of it is the defense is great. What's wrong with the offense, right? Or the passing game didn't do enough, you know, especially it's last Saturday scrimmage at on campus. You know, I think the offense committed. I thought I counted seven or eight. Uh, Dallas Branch said nine. I'm going to go with him because he probably was told that right. by right. Uh, the coaches. I mean, the the number of interceptions, the fumbles by the quarterbacks and the receivers and running backs. You know, the offense definitely cleaned a lot of that up. Now, they still had, you know, a couple turnovers. Two that got, got returned by the defense for touchdowns. <laughs> but they only. Went- only two, yeah. <laughs> they put up 52 points, and now that's misleading because I think the last three touchdowns were when the ball started in the red zone. So, like, you can't fault the defense. It's not like they gave up, you know, long drives. But putting it in end zone is obviously still appreciated and, and favored over not putting it in the end zone. A lot of good things from the offense, but I think the biggest thing was first two drives, first team offense versus first team defense, length of the field passing touchdowns. I think that's what got most people excited because of how they did it, who they did it against and uh, how they scored, which was passing. What'd you think? No, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, you know, in, in contrast to the scrimmage the week prior, the defense wasn't able to get off the field on third and short. Yeah. Who knows how those drives the week before would have ended, but the defense won more of the third and short yardage and that prevented those drives from being able to be extended. But I think if you're, if you're looking at, you know, if you were a fan there and you were watching the scrimmage, I think the control that Jalen Maiden had throughout, not just in those opening drives, but just his ability to read the entire field, his ability to even in a green Jersey buy time and know how to use his feet. I think that that has to be really, really encouraging. You know, somebody commented on on a message board, and I thought it made a lot of sense. You know, this isn't a game. They they didn't perform like that against Ohio. Um, the flip side of it is, is, is going to, to your point, if the defense had dominated again, we would be asking the question, you know, where's the offense? Well, this is part of the process. The offense was way better, this scrimmage versus the second one. Um, and I, I thought a lot of it all, also had to do with Keenan Christian. 
I thought he was he was really good. Um, I thought the same kind of you know comment about being able to extend drives. I thought there was a few times where he should have been tackled and he should have been stopped. And he was just the better football player and extended drives and caught first downs. I thought he 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 you know ran enough inside. He obviously had one huge game inside. I think that's where his his I don't know his his reputation is as an outside runner, and obviously that's in his repertoire. But he's going to make NFL money if he can run inside and allow, you know, I mean, you could, you could imagine teams being able to spread it out um, and then the gashes that he would be able to get with his speed. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the scrimmage. I think a lot of, a lot of encouraging things as far as the offense. Um, you know, I like to get into this a little bit more, but what did you see? I mean, we're all kind of like trying to dissect and understand what it is that that Ryan Lindley is doing his strength based offense? What did what did you see in terms of the way he designed the offense to be able to feature Aztecs best players? Well, I think what they what he's been talking about all year is basically seen in plays. A lot of twelve personnel, a lot of featuring running backs and tight ends. And using the wide receivers to pick up first downs to keep the defense honest. They don't want boxes stacked. Now teams are going to stack the box anyway until they there are some wide receivers that they're going to be, you know, frightened by beating them deep. I think they'll give up the short stuff. Uh, but I, I think it's it's we've seen a lot more variety in terms of play calling and formations and and motions than we did last year or the year before with Heklinski. And I think those are the things that can confuse defenses, confuse linebackers, confuse safeties who may not know, okay, this guy's going in motion. Now that we have two on the side, who's going to be the tight end that's going to run out for a pass? Who's going to stay in and block? Or maybe both tight ends are going to go out for a pass, which we saw very little of under the old uh, offense. And so I think we see a lot of that using guys in various systems. I mean, Balen Brooks, who's a a big receiver, a possession guy. One play, he catches a pass over the middle about 20 yards. The next play, he comes in motion from the left of the quarterback, takes the handoff behind the line of scrimmage and runs a kind of a sweep, you know, run up to the, to the right. A yeah. jet sweep, yeah. You know, we, we didn't see him. B.J. Busby was like the last receiver we saw that got a lot of those calls. I don't think we saw anybody last year get many of those. Or you get, or or it was to Jordan Bird, and everybody, right. in the, or everybody, and everybody in the stadium knew. That Not that, a shock to anybody. No, yeah. right, right, right. And so I think, I think, I, I think running that to the receivers is a good point. Yeah, and I think that's these are different things that that that's going to keep the defense on its toes. The defensive coordinator that we really didn't see a lot, a lot of in uh in the past offense. So I I think everything Ryan Lindley has been saying, we saw. Uh, to an extent, you know, not just this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Uh, it just happened to work a little bit better recently, right. you know, this past Saturday than the one before. thought the same thing. I think what really stood out to me was I felt like for the first time um, since Bellinger, since Daniel Bellinger was part of the team, that the tight ends really were where the offense kind of hinged on. Um, I yeah. think you're seeing it now. With the, with the Giants and the way in which um, Daniel Bellinger um, is utilized. And it's not just the passing game. It's it's his ability to, you know, blocks down on a defensive lineman. So he makes a play from the secondary that's like the same play that they have every other day. And he makes it look completely different because this tight end is doing this weird stuff that you don't normally see. And so it disguises what it is in the secondary. And I thought that the tight ends kind of filled that role. Um, I thought last year, you know, they really were missing uh, that toughness and they really were missing that unpredictability that can come from dynamic athletes at the tight end position because you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. You don't know if, you know, you're going to be able to uh, run a screen. You don't know if you're going to be able to get down the field because they have these kinds of athletes that can um, stretch the field. And so I thought that 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 not only did he use the packages, but I thought he used them effectively. Um, whether it was, you know, a, a screen pass to the tight ends, they caught a number of screen passes, um, screen passes to the running backs, 
using the tight ends to to get other people open, um, using them in the middle of the field. Obviously, in the red zone, I think they scored two touchdowns. Um, I thought it was great to see Jay Rudolph after his injuries and the different parts look like the dynamic Jay Rudolph that we saw his freshman year. And so I thought that was really good. And it could have been a third touchdown. Um, but they, they, you know, called it back a legal procedure with, uh, to, to Logan Tanner. And so I just thought that no matter who, which tight end was playing, they were the centerpiece of the offense. And it gave the offense that characteristic that Coach Lindley talked about when we interviewed him, which is he wants to make the off, the defense adjust to the offense. They want to bring what they do and they want to force the defense to adjust. And, um, I thought that aggressiveness w- was seen. And then, you know, I, again, I, I think, I think it cannot be said enough how good Jalen Maiden was because, you know, you got to have somebody who's able to do that. And I, I, you know, he not only had those two drives, um, where he led them to touchdowns, but like late when they started getting a little bit more pressure, you know, he wasn't forcing the ball. Yeah. He was throwing it out of bounds. He was living to, to, you know, fight another down. He was, he was doing all the things that you want a veteran quarterback who's who's been around it, even though he's a veteran quarterback who hasn't really been around it. And I just thought that he was completely in control, um, easily the best player on the field in terms of just the, the outcome of the game. If not, you know, I'm not, not necessarily talking about his draft status, but just he was the guy. And I think that, you know, when you talk about Heklinski and you talk about Coach Heklinski, who, you know, as we talked about, lots of coaches who are really good coaches don't have success in places. But he would always talk about, you know, the QB being the most dangerous player on the field. And it's just an, it's an, it's an irony that, the, that Jalen Maiden, the quarterback who was fourth in his depth chart, is the one who's become the most dangerous player on the field for the Aztecs. And I think that, you know, as long as you know, he had a stupid turnover, we talked to him post game. He said that can't happen. We got to end it with a kick. Um, it's better than a, you know all this stuff. And okay, so he 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 still is on that. He's paying attention to that. But you accept all the dynamic stuff that he did uh, for with, with that one turnover. Um, you accept that kind of a day, four touchdowns, one turnover, and and so I thought that was really interesting how you know he was able to not have the stupid turnover. Right. Cause it's like the, in the scrimmage before you and I are standing in the end zone and we're saying, okay, he played pretty good. He played pretty good. And I said, absolutely. Cause he hasn't turned over the ball. And then it was not like it was, we jinxed him. I mean, it was not two snaps yeah. later. He's throwing his terrible interception to Vicajo, uh, backed up in his own end zone. You're like, ah, oh, well, there it is. Never mind. Article would be written different, you know, and, and that didn't really come about because on turnover aside, he, he was sensational. Yeah. Just getting back to the Keenan Kristen thing that you mentioned. He, had, he led the team at 77 rushing yards on 13 carries, about, I think, six yards, almost six yeah. yards a carry. That's pretty good. He yeah. caught one pass for 21 yards. But there was Do you one. remember that one, though? Do you remember that yeah. one? It was a I mean, screen, that, that, right? It was a screen. Dallas Branch is right there, yeah. all-conference performer, and he knows to cut it back inside, and he just completely set up his line to come in and take that. And was, I mean, that's a really, really good play that looked like it was going nowhere. And because he's a veteran and knows what he's doing, has you know was able to put it into twenty one yards. One of his runs, though, I think is the key, is because he he took a a a, a pass, he took a, a handoff and went right. And I think maybe his inclination typically is to keep going right and go past the tackle, but he cut it inside uh, the right tackle. I don't know if that was Azo or or Murau, but he cut it inside and got a big gain. And I think Coach Oak said afterwards. When they asked him about who he thought did well in the running backs, he mentioned that like the week before he didn't make the right cut, but this week right. he did. And I'm pretty sure he was talking about that play 100%. that both you and I talked about when we saw each other uh, towards uh, in the second half. Jalen Armstead had a nice day, 52 yard rushing yards and a touchdown. Martin Blake had 26. I mean, I think if we wanted to talk about which walk-on is deserving of a scholarship. I think Martin Blake is at the top of that list because of the various things that he is able to do. I mean, Coach Hoke has sang his praises multiple times. I'm not ready yet. You're not ready yet? I'm not ready yet. I I, I, um, I mean, you know, you just look at Makai Shaw, you look at Devon Celestine, they had to produce in the game for 
right before yeah they, before they were able to before they were able to to, re, to get there but i think he's, he's like if you look at the suspects i completely agree with you just pointing out he, that, I mean, that he, they need to see it in the game right he did produce last year in limited snaps but i i get i get you i'm not saying he's going to get one before the start of fall camp but i think pretty soon as the season starts he's going to get touches and he's going to produce uh and they've got i think they've got three open scholarships with tucker uh, with Tucker's departure and then Raphael Williams, not sure, even though he's ineligible, he still could sit out. But Coach Hoke was asked, uh, after practice on Tuesday why he's not at practice, and he said he's still trying to figure things out. No, which was a very uh cryptic, in- innocuous comment. Then he mentioned yeah. he's got a back injury too, but like typically the people who are banged up, we still see at practice, you know, warming up with the trainers. And we haven't seen him at all. So I, that made me think that there's a potential, well, that he may be thinking about moving on, going somewhere else. I don't know. But the, the way he said he's trying to figure things out kind of made me think that maybe he's also not going to be on the team. But that's that's a that's a different topic. But I think that, um, yeah, that's I mean. Huge. That's huge if that's, if that's part of it. Um, it'd be a shame because I think yeah. that – I think that uh, – it's it's just something that's really really interesting, and I know it's really hard because you don't want you don't want the FBS school to use the FCS as their as their you know de facto minor leagues and stuff like that. Although with NIL and stuff like that, maybe they do. But just the idea that that you know he he's been he's been electric in practice at times. Um, a lot of yeah. a lot of times on the side, and obviously you know a back is so finicky, and to have a bad back yeah. when you're young like that. But yeah, wow, that's that's big news. I didn't know that. Um, what about Kyron White? Did, was there anything in in addition with Kyron White? Same thing. He hasn't he hasn't been at practice. No, I mean Zyrus Fiasa was back in pads or at least shells and practice. Great, good news. But uh, Kyron White was not seen. On the sideline at the scrimmage and was not has not had practice on Tuesday, so I don't. We haven't gotten any any anything official on his status. All right, so. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, and we can go back to the defense. So I think we should cover that at the end. From what you saw on Tuesday, and you know where we were at the end of spring, um, give me five players who you think have helped themselves in terms of playing time. In terms of in in in, in terms, of, and you can you can take that anywhere you want. Five players who have really helped themselves um, this fall camp. I'm going to start with Philippe Wesley. Yeah, good call. We knew Makai Shaw from what he did last year, although we hadn't seen him in that number one role. We saw him in the number three role, so there were questions there. But I think I think. The, the coaching staff feels good about that, but they're looking for that number two guy, right? Josh Nicholson could have been that guy, but he got banged up first practice of fall camp. We haven't really seen much of him, even though he's been at practice, but he's not, hasn't really been playing a lot of 11 on 11s. Hasn't played in scrimmages. Raphael Williams, obviously we just talked about his status is ineligible, but Wesley has really stepped up every practice I've been to. He's had this great connection with Jalen Maiden. Uh, short stuff, deep stuff, intermediate stuff. Uh, he seems to be kind of Jalen's security blanket when when he's pro- going through his progressions and uh, always can kind of see Philippe uh, in the corner of his eye. He, he caught a touchdown, the second touchdown of, of the scrimmage where he uh, broke a tackle and ran, you know, dove into the end zone. Those are plays that receivers need to make, right? Those The yak, yards after catch that has been lacking maybe from from the wide receivers. You know, Jesse Matthews, Tyrell Shavers were great receivers, possession guys, could get deep once in a while, but um, it didn't seem like they had that breakaway speed a lot of times. And Wesley uh, could be a guy that can flash that. And I think I remember the spring game, he also looked pretty good. Um, and so he's kind of carried that over. So he's one guy that has jumped out at me. Chris Johnson, corner. Oh, well, there you go. Was running with the ones again on, on Tuesday. He, yeah, he yeah. started right. He's. I think he's. Did yeah. he start in the scrimmage? He started at the scrimmage too. Wow. Yeah, so he's gone from maybe number five corner last year as a true freshman to 
number two possibly behind Des Malone. Uh, but he's confident. He plays tough, covers well. Um, I th- and I think he's he's in line to be that number two guy and that starter opposite Des Malone. So I really liked what I've seen from him. I'm gonna I want to comment on both of those guys. Um, the, the first one was with believe Wesley. I thought that his I thought that his um, touchdown. I thought it was not just like okay. I thought it was really good. I mean, not only to be able to, I mean, make, um, I think it was JD Coffey coming over and making him miss, um, but to just the way that he did it, his quick feet, his athleticism was really, really good. And, and so I think that's a great call. And, and I, as Jalen Maiden has told us on multiple occasions, you know, everyone's kind of stepped up, um, in the wide receiver group perspective. And I think, you know, top of the list, I think that's a great call with him. And then Chris Johnson. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I think that that is just wild. I mean, I, you know, I was surprised that he saw the field last year, but then that he was able to come in and seemingly be in position uh, for sure to be in the rotation, maybe even a start uh, is, is pretty amazing because when you're talking about if, if it looks the way that it looks, which is um, Des Malone being the starter, which he was most of last year. That means that he's having to like replace somebody in Dallas Branch who was an all league performer and honorable mention all mountain West. Uh, somebody that we talked to coach Maddox at the beginning of the, of the fall camp was just like, look, he's, he was playing the best at the end. Um, yeah. and, and I don't, and every time that I've seen Dallas Branch play, he looks every bit of like a veteran physical like everything you could possibly want out of a cornerback. And so if he's able to play better than him, that's, that's saying something. Um, I, I agree. I think those, those are like really, really crazy developments. Um, not fully Wesley so much, but, but Chris Johnson, just because of the guys that he's going against. Um, Noah Tumlin, he's kind of taken over from, um, Breon Penny as the yeah. scrimmage guru, you know, just having great game after great game, had the pick six. Um, and so you, you, you continue to see what he brings to the table. Um, yeah, he had a really nice inter- diving interception, uh, taking it away from a receiver yesterday or Tuesday at practice. So, I mean, that's what I mean. Those are huge things. And obviously he's played a lot of football. Um, you know, in high school, quarterbacks are typically the most athletic player on the field. He was the quarterback at, at, at Mira Mesa and, to be able to even be, you know, with those guys as a true sophomore is just something else. But to even potentially be above those guys, uh, that's pretty crazy. All right, I got three more. All right, all right, we got. Uh, I'm going to stay in the secondary, and I'm going to say Marcus Ratcliffe. Interesting. Okay. 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 And I, I'll tell you what. When Patrick McMorris obviously was the Aztec starter. All through spring camp, uh, that, that was a foregone conclusion. We didn't even think about the no. competition at Aztec, right? But then he transfers. A depth chart lists him and, and Marcus Radcliffe and Max Garrison. But then you got Kyron White that got listed back. You had Jatavius McGee. We right. heard Coach Maddox say, I can move Barfield to Aztec. And coming into fall camp, I was fully prepared and ready to say one of those veterans experienced guys are going to be the starter at Aztec. Right. But those guys don't have a shot because I think Marcus Radcliffe has has solidified that spot as as the starter. So there wasn't even a team. there wasn't even a sniff of that in practice? No. Okay, cuz I thought that was an interesting part about the scrimmage that I thought now, we'd get to later. Yeah. But no, not during Tuesday's practice, Marcus was with the ones um playing Aztec. Now, Max Garrison didn't play in who had been battling with Marcus and sharing first team snaps. You know, he didn't play in the scrimmage. He was back at practice uh, on Tuesday, but he was running, you know, threes, you know, and maybe that's because they want him getting back into, you know, who were the twos? JD coffee was the backup Aztec on Tuesday, Tuesday's practice. And so I think Marcus, you know, has taken a grasp of that. And uh, for a true freshman, you know, obviously he was there in the spring, but he's still a true freshman. It's still his first year in the program. I think because he's been able to, you know, beat out, you know, the experienced guys. Now, Kyron White 
obviously we talked earlier he hasn't been on practice you know we don't really know but if Kyron White I think he would have probably beat out Kyron White as well with the way that he's played he's just he's rangy he's lengthy he can cover he can tackle so he's been he's my number three guy that's on the on the up Martin Blake we talked about him earlier okay all right I I honestly think Martin Blake is going to be going he's going to be the third running back and he's going to be getting carries and catches and I think there will be some games where he'll be the lead running back in terms of touches I think he's he's that productive when he gets the ball he's only 5-6 but like as I said he can catch the ball he can block he can uh he played some fullback last year and floated out and caught a big pass so he can do so many things, and I think he's definitely a guy um, that's that's on the up. Yeah, and I thought I thought too. I mean, just with with that, I, I you know Max Garrison being out in the spring game, um, or spring game, a little 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 different part of the calendar. In the last scrimmage, um, yeah. it was Martin Blake who was that second returner, and you know yeah. you you can see it as far as somebody who can block. If they decide to kick it short and go away from them, like you would feel like you would be able to do something with the ball. Um, that's a great call. One more. And then one more. I'm gonna go with the defensive line and Tupu Alualu. Nice. I think he was battling with Darian Dalton for that starting defensive tackle spot. And I think he's 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 another guy that's been running with the ones really for the most for the last week or so. From practices, from scrimmages, um, he he's the coaches always praise him. Anytime they're asked about people on the defensive line, uh, Dan o- Opoko, you know, mentioned Tupu as a guy who impressed him. Been one of the newcomers. Um, he's a guy I think that's going to be a big part of the defensive line, playing that interior um, and not just stopping the run, but getting pressure on the quarterback. So he's he's a fifth guy on my list. Nice. So I'm I'm gonna go with my five my five and and um I agree on Philippe Wesley. He definitely my list of of guys who I thought who um this this fall have really helped themselves and um you know really look to be in some way different than what they've had. Um and that is a scholarship wide receiver who comes in and actually produces and they don't have to get a transfer or a walk on. Um so I thought that he's really helped himself. Um mine and again these aren't necessarily in any order, um, but I thought Josh Hunter. Uh, I, yeah. I thought that he really helped himself. Um, you know, I, it was hard for me not to notice that the two touchdowns that were scored were scored by, you know, missed tackles in the open field. Um, one by um, Devon Celestine, the other by J.D. Coffey. And, you know, his reputation since high school, um, and obviously Coach Deacon, you know, repeated that for us when we interviewed him, is as one of the best open field tacklers. And yeah. it's you know, it, it might be some other people's mistakes gets to elevate that skill. Um, but I, but you know, where was he running with the, with the app post scrimmage? Where was he running in the next practice? He was starting at boundary warrior. See, that's huge. I mean, Devon Celestine started a lot of, was it Devon or was it? So Celestine and Barfield, I think switched off on, on the field warrior side. Okay. Um, so it depended, but I think it was uh Hunter and then Eric Butler backing him up on the other side. No, and see, and I think that's huge. I mean, he's a, he's a redshirt freshman who, again, it's, a, it's that same thing with Chris Johnson, who, you know, you just wouldn't expect to be able to make as much headway. Uh, Chris Johnson, I agreed with you. I, we talked enough about him, um, but I thought that that was really, really good. I'm going to have to go with um, Tobin O'Dell. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you're, you're talking about a redshirt freshman walk-on QB who I don't think it's any exaggeration was the only other quarterback at the scrimmage who looked competent. I mean, I, I think that that given what Kyle Crum, who, you know, our first interview on this podcast ever, great person, we've seen great things about it. But if you're just judging by the scrimmage, did not look quite ready to 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 be rolled out there as the backup. Um, I thought it was really interesting with Tobin O'Dell how um all throughout Kyle Crum would start the rep. And then on second down, they would bring Tobin O'Dell in almost as if they were trying to get him to practice what it would be like if, God forbid, right, um, Jalen Maiden got hurt and he had to be ran out there. So, I, you know, I just thought it was really interesting because, you know, you'd see him in the first scrimmage, you'd see him in, in practice, and he's 
just kind of running for his life because the defensive line is just destroying the offensive line. And so it doesn't even really give like a, a full shape to like a, an offense. And it's really hard to see like, okay, is any good, whatever. Um, he was the third quarterback, obviously Lee Wamabai, um, and the, you know, the jam fingers hitting it, hitting it on a helmet of a, of a defender. Um, maybe he, that's, you know, he wouldn't have got those reps if Lee had been hurt, but I thought he looked really good. I mean, short of like, you know, maybe the worst pick six that has ever been thrown in human history. Um, short of that one, uh, you know, I think he was six of seven. Um, and again, he would have had that touchdown had it not been called back from the illegal procedure. And, and it, he just, he looked like he had a clue. He was confident. Um, and, and so I would just say that that's a pretty remarkable rise. Um, yeah. if, if, if he is truly in contention for any idea of, of getting into this depth chart. Um, so he, he was my third, uh, my, my fourth that, that I thought, you know, has really helped himself. And it's, it's a little bit challenging to be able to say it, but, um, I'm going to go with Dean Abdullah. Um, uh, you know, this is a guy who played tackle, uh, I think it was American River College, low in weight, right? He's slight in his frame, played some last year, uh, just has great technique, great athleticism. I mean, really good athleticism for, for a guy his size. And they bring in, you know, one of the top offensive linemen from the class of 2020. And, the cl- and that guy produces, produces so much so that they had him as the starting right tackle Mm -hmm. and as good as i mean they're trying to find a way to get miles moreau on the field but he isn't gonna he isn't gonna replace kate bennett he's not gonna replace ross Masuli. and you think okay well then it's absolutely he's gonna be replacing dean abdullah no that abdullah has been so good that miles moreau is gonna ride the pine Unless they can move him to a different position, um, and I, I think that's pretty spectacular. I mean, I, I you know you would have you would not have thought that like if Dean Abdullah was going to hold down the right guard, it would only be because Miles Moreau was overrated and he couldn't play, and that clearly is not the case. Not only has has Coach Hope talked about him multiple practices, but just the fact that they're going to play him out of position because they think he's potentially their one of their five best line. Yeah. Um, and so I think that speaks volumes to where Dean Abdullah is, because I think in a in an ideal world, um, I think they wanted Moreau to start, and Abdullah didn't let him. They didn't let it. He didn't let him take his spot. Um, and so I think that that would be my number four is just like a guy who's who's really helped himself a whole bunch because of of what he was able to do. Um, and then for my fifth guy. And, 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 you know, this is, this is a little bit interesting. I, it, you know, whatever, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm going to Cam Harper. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I really thought that if, if Jay Rudolph had gotten healthy, that he's your second tight end. Um, and obviously he caught a pass. He absolutely destroyed the, where he could have destroyed would have been a penalty, um, on a read option at the goal line, um, where, where Kyle Crum, you know, doesn't give the handoff. He rolls out and he's just met by Noah Tumlin. And then he just blindsides him, but in a way that he doesn't get called for the penalty and springs him for an easy touchdown. But it was like one of those, you know, like if it was 1992, Noah Tumlin would be in the hospital. It was, it was one of those, like it was just so set up, you know, but with all the rules and stuff, the way they should be, um, he was protected and he was okay. Um, but it was a great block. He was in position, did what he needed to do, and just decleated him. And 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 he looks healthy. And even though he is, um, M. Harple is ahead of him, and he was the guy who was working with the with the first team offense. So those would be my five. Um, I think your five are right too. I just you know I just think that that those were the guys that stood out to me. But so Philippe Wesley was our only overlapping. No, no, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, okay, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Johnson and, and Philippe Wesley, I think we're, we're two of them. So now we got to go the other way, bro. This is one that, one that's not fun. Remember, these are college kids, right? Give me, give me the five downs. Well, I, I think my choices. Th- this is hard. I think I have three or four. I, the fifth one might be a little bit. 
uh, reaching. But like, if someone's moving up, that means somebody's moving down. And I think that's how I'm trying. I mean, based on what you talked about with Miles Morale, you get Brandon Crenshaw Dixon has to be on this list. Completely. We know what happened in the spring, getting second team reps, but then he ends up first on at right tackle. A lot of talk, Coach Goff talked about the leadership and Brandon Crenshaw Dixon providing that leadership. Coach Hoke, I think after the first practice, was yep. asked about him and said, you know, he's a good leader. He's I'll even, go, I'll even go further. I don't even think if I remember, my, and again, my memory could be off, but I don't even think he was asked. Right. I think he just sort of offered, like, but he said, what did he say? But we, we need more from him. 100%. That's what he's like. We need he him to show like more. Looking to talk about it completely. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I think if Azo was still the starting right tackle as of Tuesday, I would say, okay, well, maybe it's still similar to spring. And they're still trying to get the young guys, but with morale in their right tackle now, I'm pretty Tuesday as well. Tuesday as well. Okay. Um, I w- it's 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 safe to say right now that BCD is not guaranteed a starting spot come uh, August 26th, and I think that you have to put him on this five down list if that's the case. Completely. Also, to go with your Tobin Odell, you know, you also have then you have to mention Kyle Crum. Right, he did not play well in the Saturday, the past Saturday scrimmage at, on campus. A lot, a lot of turnovers. Uh, fumbled the ball in the end zone on a handoff that led to a safety. You know, none of the quarterbacks really played well, right? And I think Ryan Lindley let let all let him have it. We, you know, yeah. Uh, after that, and we heard all that. But you know, he the first second play of the, the scrimmage on Saturday, he drops or he rolls out. Gets flushed, drops the ball, gets returned for a touchdown. Didn't, you know, and then at that point, Tobin Odell came in and, you know, played really well. Yeah. Which is the reason why you had him on your five up. But, you know, Kyle Crump struggled. And then Coach Oak said, we don't know who the backup quarterback is on Saturday night. Yep. And I asked him again on Tuesday after practice. He said, we still don't know and we need to figure it out. So, that tells me that the whoever was a backup quarterback before is is not playing to the level that's expected, and that you know that was Kyle Crum. Now Leo Amavai has been banged up a little bit. He jammed uh, a f- couple fingers or one finger on a helmet, so you know maybe he had, would have stepped up into that backup role if he was healthy. But um, as you mentioned about Tobin Odell playing well, Kyle Crum has not necessarily, and so he'd have to be one of those guys to drop. Third guy, I would say no Avenger. Because as we talked about, there's five corners that should be playing or can be playing. There's not enough. There's no room. Right? Chris Johnson was the fifth guy last year. As a true freshman, that made sense. Now, that fifth guy with Chris Johnson being maybe the number two guy, somebody had to drop. At the end of spring, it was Noah Tumblin, but he's kind of played himself up to that second team, and Noah Avenger has dropped. And at Tuesday's practice, I even saw Avenger playing some snaps at Warrior. With wow. like 13. So I don't know. I didn't get a chance to ask Coach Maddox uh, after practice because I was talking to Coach Oak. Uh, but I was curious about the, the rationale there, if it was just something they wanted to see or whether it was because he was the fifth corner and they needed to find ways to maybe get him on the field other ways. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's a guy that's probably um, more of a downward trend than an upward trend just based on the depth chart and who's been out there at corner. I guess this is where you get – this is the tough part, and I'll go with two often, two more offensive linemen. Okay. Tommy Mirabella. Ooh, that's a good call. Yeah. Because like he, he was handed the center job. Yeah, and he came in as a starting center or right guard, right? There was a talk where mm-hmm. if Ross mm-hmm. is at center, maybe Mirabella plays right guard like he played last year for a couple games when uh, Ross was out. But, you know, he's been – you know, Dean Abdullah is right guard. Um so Mirabelle, Mirabelle is basically, you know, on that downward trend himself on the offensive line to, you know, backup center, backup right guard. Uh, and then with the versatility of who's at center, right guard, and right tackle, all three of those guys can play all three of those positions. So if one of them goes down, no guarantee that Mirabelle is the next guy up. They might move a guy over and then bring in somebody at right tackle. So who knows where Mirabelle falls in that you know hierarchy of how we want to get the best five guys on the field so he would he would be my number four guy 
Honestly, number five, I'm I'm reaching here. I felt confident with the top front top four, but I'm having number five. Yeah, I mean, I had Kyle. I'm listing Kyle Stand back here, only because you know he was supposed to be like vying for you know left tackle. Coach Goff talked about how athletic he was, how he had added weight. We haven't really seen that, and he's kind of. Some of the times he's been there during practice, like he he's been getting yanked for missing an assignment right. or um, not running the right uh, you know procedure or the technique, and so I, you know if I had to pick a fifth guy, uh, I'd, I'd put him in there. Nice, no, I like that a lot. Um, I, I think I you know I don't like that Kyle Steinbeck is one of them, but I, I think your list is is really really good. Um, the first three, I think we I agree with you completely. I think that. Uh, you know, Noah Avenger, he was the hot name. You know, we tried to get um, Coach Maddox to, to you know, praise Malone, Des Malone a little bit. And he's like, well, actually, it's uh, it's Avenger. Who's, no, it's Noah Avenger who's been the guy. Um, he's the guy who's had the great summer. He's the guy who's had the great spring. Um, and so just to see him, you know, like I, I mean, talk about, I think that's news. That's huge. It's huge news because the other side of this is, you know, there's always been that talk of like, okay, if you got five corners, could one of those guys play warrior? Um, and so I, I think that that's a great like call that, that, that he has. And, and especially because, you know, he, he's played so much. Um, he, this is yeah. a guy who he was a big time recruit. Um, and I think again, it, it, you know, it, it shows the, the level of competition and going back to our ups, you know, of what Chris Johnson has been able to do. So I, I completely agree there. Um, you know, Kyle Crum, um, it's interesting because I, I would I would say like in the time that we've seen him, these last two scrimmages was the first time that he looked like a freshman. Um, yeah. You know, he, he just he's always had a moxie about him. He's always had, and again, he you know he scored that touchdown that we were describing earlier. He had a long pass to um to Balen Brooks that 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 went for a big completion. Um, but you know he he's just he's he's had huge turnovers, and the reality of it is. Um, whoever that backup QB is, you know, needs to be able to hand the ball off to Keenan Christian <laughs> and occasionally, occasionally make, go over the top or burn a short first down to be able to to make the chains move. I mean, that's what that guy is going to need to be able to do. And, you know, he's not only had turnovers, I mean, they've been huge. The pick six in the week before with, with Josh Hunter, um, Obviously, that safety that you're talking about, and the touchdown to Dom Oliver, and so I think that 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 it has to be a down, and it's so hard because he's so young. I mean, the idea that that a guy who's a redshirt freshman could even be truly considered as a backup, and you wouldn't even, you know, feel like you're completely overmatched, which was where we thought he was going into fall camp, um, is just remarkable. Um, but yeah, I think the the last couple of weeks and. The reality of them playing Tobin Odell, um, you know, Lee Wamavise, you know, the, 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 um, I guess around the rumor mill is that he's had a good, good fall camp as well and kind of bridged that gap. Um, so I think that, you know, that he's definitely has to be there. Um, BCD, as you said, uh, that, you know, this, this is a guy who you're talking should be, a in contention for an all conference. Um, which was what uh, Coach Goff set as the expectation for him. Again, I mean, if they're doing something crazy and, you know, they, they, they're doing this on purpose, showing us all the stuff because BCD is the starting left tackle and they want Ohio to make their game plan as if Christian Jones is there or something weird, they, like, it's fine. Like, we don't have any inside information on we're just doing by what we perceive. And yeah. um, it it seems like, it seems like that's been, you know, that Christian Jones has solidified himself as left tackle. And that seemed to be the case. And that would mean BCD is behind him, which, which is just crazy. I mean, completely unexpected. Um, and especially considering that, you know, you do have, you know, if it works out the way that it works, that it's looking like it works out and, and play right tackle, you could actually have a, an offensive line composed of all upper. And they go yeah. from like having freshmen last year to having guys who just starting guys who haven't really played, you know, um, and you could have like veteran, veteran players, um, you know, depending on how you count Moreau's years, 
And, and, and so it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's baffling to be honest with you that, that, cause I think you, you, given how many procedure penalties and the struggles of the offensive line, like, I think Christian Jones has to be significantly better to be able to get the nod over the guy who was starting a left tackle last year. So then I think those three we, we agreed on. Um, one guy that I would put in there, and, and it's maybe it's a little bit unfair, I don't know, but Kyron White. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, he, he gets switched to linebacker because according to Coach Maddox, they think he's one of their best 11 defenders, and he's starting as the linebacker um, in the first initial kind of stuff that, that we were seeing in, in spring. And to go from, and he seemingly played okay, you know, there was, there was, there was some injuries things or something that he was a little bit, didn't get as many reps as maybe you would have thought, but you know, everybody said, I think Kyron Wright's playing good. I think Kyron Wright's playing good. He's the time that he's played in the games, he's looked good. And so then he goes into the summer again, I saw him play Aztec. Um, he looked like the veteran guy. He was coaching the, um, other DBs and then to just, you know, whatever's taking place with him, the injuries that are there. Um, I think that, you know, maybe it's unfair, but it's just what it is. I mean, the idea that, that Marcus Ratcliffe could be a true freshman and replace this guy who has played the position, has seen time in the position, has looked good in the position, has that physical, um, veteran component to it. You know, I, I put Kyron White as, as my fourth one. Um, and then I think for the fifth one, and, and again, I agree with you that, that this is, this is where, you know, things become challenging. It's hard exactly where to place it. If I had to say like one, like one guy who I thought, you know, is a little bit of a down, it, it's, it's going to be Max Garrison. You know, I, I really thought that, that he had the inside track to start as the Aztec. And again, he's a young guy. I, I think the, the accolades of him being a football player, as everyone has said, um, but I think that there was, there was hope with the athleticism, um, the way he plays so downhill that it wasn't going to be as, as heavily in favor of Marcus Ratcliffe. Um, and you know, injuries happen. And so maybe that's the reason for it. And you just lose those valuable reps and that opportunity. Um, but I think a guy who, who, you know, I think started with as the starting Aztec and looked to be that replacement um but you know uh it wouldn't shock me if against ohio he's not even rotating with them um i think you have to consider um that, that max garrison could be that that fifth down um and again it, it's just because we picked five ups that we had to pick five downs i don't i think it's probably honestly three that we could we both agreed on and probably three is yeah. where it was but um just for that symmetry with those five, if you're forced to pick one, I think there, but I think Tommy Mirabella though is a, is another good call that I hadn't considered that that probably would be above and maybe, maybe Max Garrison six. Yeah. Always interesting the to compare and contrast our, our lists. <laughs> I know we had, we did a what, top 10 ranking of um, players, regardless of like position. And we definitely got some, some commentary from folks from fans from uh all sorts of people about where we ranked certain people and you know two specialists in the top five or top six i think ruffled yeah. a few feathers but hey we, we we jack browning is the only one on the team that's uh got a preseason player of the year nomination and is on two watch lists so it's not just paul and i that think that he's uh <laughs> arguably the the number one player for his position on the team it's probably not the best thing for your team for a specialist a kicker to be your best player but that's just how it is right now you know if we look if we redo this list six weeks you know six weeks into the season it'll be completely different and and maybe other guys maybe Jalen maiden will be number one right uh and, 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 and again the, the list that we made was never about who was the most valuable it right, was just, right. It was just, you know, who is the best at the position, regardless of the importance of said position. And, and you know, Ryan Wintermeyer can play um, yeah. and, he, and he does a lot of good things. But um, before we get out of here, man, let's turn a little bit to the defense and what you saw in the scrimmage, um, because, you know, the flip side of the flip side of those holes that 
the offensive line was opening up means that they were opening it up on the defensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Hoke called the defensive line progress, said that, you know, it's exactly what they expected it to be. You know, wh- wh- where do you see the defensive line in terms of its overall strength? And then if you were to guess how how deep the rotation would be, actually, let's do this. Let's say they're going to stop the rotation at six. Who are your who are your six linemen? Health permitting. Help me. Garrett, Garrett Fountain's back. So it'll be. I I, I see Garrett Fountain, Tupu Alualu, and Opoko as the starters. Oh, okay. Even though Drake has I, been there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I see White Drager, Dom Oliver, and I'm gonna go Darian Dalton, either Darian or uh, Sammy Tulu Halamaka. But I think I'd give it to Darian Dalton. Uh, yeah. That it, and that would be the six. Okay, I like it. Okay, so then did, I leave, anybody, couple... did I leave anybody out? Well, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you because I I would agree with you about Darian Dalton only because it seemed like they were very uncomfortable behind Tupu-Alu-Alu um, at the scrimmage. I mean, they they slid White Drager inside. Um, they, and, and so the guy that I want to ask about is uh, Keon Mitchell because he, I mean, every practice, his name yeah. is is called, his name is, is there. Would you see him? That would be the only guy that I could say between, I, I liked your six. Um, and I, I honestly think that that it might go seven just because of of what what Mitchell has done, but I could see him being a, a excuse me I could see him being ahead of all of the other guy we, Ryan Henderson. Oh, see, that's another one. That's not a good call. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Ryan Henderson would be another one. Ryan Henderson had been rolling with the ones with the ones with Fountain right. out before yep. Opoko because Opoko had not been practicing right up until the scrimmage. Right, um, which would so, seem to make which would seem to make him above Dom Oliver and above Keon Mitchell. Yeah, and potentially Wyatt Drager, depending on what, what side uh, defensive end you're looking at. Yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, how, many, see, how many do you think? Of, how many things to go with? You know, I, I, that was another question I wanted to ask Coach Maddox that I okay. didn't get a chance to today. Is right. could you could you be playing? Could you play nine guys on the line in a game? I don't Possibly. have any idea. I don't have any idea. And and I and I think that you know it's it's interesting because I think if the schedule had stayed as they planned it, I think they had done a genius job because I think you could have two quasi easy games in New Mexico State and Idaho State, and you play nine. Yeah, there's no question. It's easy. But but they got to be good. I mean, they they got to be good against Ohio if they're going to be able to win. Yeah. I think I'm interested. I think I'm interested also to see does the Keon Mitchell replace um, you know Dalton and Alwalu um, on passing downs, mm-hmm. or does does Drager do that on passing downs, or you know is there is there different combinations that that you're going to want to to do? I mean, do you bring do you bring um, your Fountain inside? Because they've obviously liked the speed and all that kind of stuff, and and then that's when you have Dom Oliver on the outside with his great speed, and and you know you you go that way. So I think there's still a lot of a lot of um, possibilities. But but where would you where would you see like this defensive line's overall strength? Like yes, there's nine guys who seemingly are in the mix, but you know going back to what Coach uh, Maddox said, if you got nine, it may be because you don't have any. So where where would you say like their relative strength is overall? That's that's a question I don't know the answer to because I have we haven't seen these guys play in a real game. Yeah. Like I don't know if a pass rush is gonna be their strength because these we haven't seen them be be pass rushers. Daniel Opoko, you know, most of the snaps he got backing up, you know, Keyshawn Banks last year, he was he he wasn't necessarily a, a, a you know go rush uh, around the right tackle and get a sack. You know, he was a guy that was kind of just, you know, stout inside, um, trying to um, hold up uh, linemen. 
and maybe have the linebackers come behind him. He wasn't necessarily a, a pass rusher, but maybe that's something we could see from him. So to be honest with you, I don't know what the strength of the defensive line is Enough because we have so many guys we haven't seen. Yeah. I'd like no, to say they'll be good stopping the run, but I don't know that because I haven't seen those guys play together. No, I agree with you. And, and I think as, as you know, I mentioned in an article, I think what makes that also hard is, you know, the offensive line continues to have question marks. And so the idea yeah. that they're competitive with each other could mean they're both not where they need to be. Um, the flip side of it, it could mean that they're both good because the defensive line has been better, I think, overall, I think it's fair to say, than the offensive line in camp. Yeah. Um, close, close for sure, but I would be like, you know, I don't know, whatever numbers or percentages or 60-40, you know, the defensive line has been better. Um, but, you know, let's move to the linebackers. How about our boy Cody Moon? Um, had him on the podcast when he when you know announced that his 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 intention to transfer to San Diego State, you know, before he came on campus. But he was he was a monster on 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 Saturday at the scrimmage. What did you see from um from Cody Moon? Well, he's just playing confident. I think he's kind of become comfortable in the role he's in as a wheel yeah. linebacker. Yeah. Whether it's rushing the passer, um dropping back in coverage he said he said that was the one thing that he's really improved on is dropping back in coverage and then just you know playing the run uh in a spot i think he's just he's a guy he's athletic he's he's he he can fly to the ball he can drop back he's got length he's a good tackler i mean he had over 100 tackles last year in new mexico he's he's playing like at least he played in the scrimmage on saturday like the guy that everybody thought was coming in the reason why he was on so many preseason all-conference teams, when if you looked at the depth chart, he wasn't even the starter, right? Right, He was an or, right? But, you know, then you have Coach Maddox hyping up Brady Anderson, who's competing with him, and you're like, well, maybe Cody Moon won't even start despite being a preseason all-conference guy. But, you know, now I think he's gotten to the point where you're like, okay, we know why he was so good last year. Uh, We know why he's on so many of those preseason lists. And in that that comfortableness is is translating into production on the field, at least yeah. in scrimmages, not in real games. But I, yeah. we've seen what he does in real games. We've right. seen what he does in real games because we saw it the last two years in New Mexico. And so no, I, I thought he played how I think I expected him to play um, once he got comfortable, and I think he's there. Yeah, I think that's a great call. My, my favorite part about Cody Moon's um, Saturday was he met Jalen Armstead in the hole. And Jalen Armstead did what Jalen Armstead's capable of doing, fast feet, and he just juked, and he went by for a really big gain, his biggest gain, I think, of the evening. And then, like, the next two times he touched the ball, Cody Moon was bringing him down in the backfield. And that kind of, like, competitiveness is what you – is, to me, a big sign of a guy who can play. You know, a Mm -hmm. guy who, who, you know, it's not an accident that he was back down the backfield, and he missed is what happened. And he usually doesn't miss and he didn't miss again. And it was like, I mean, they were, they were the plays were so close together. They were almost mirror images of them. Um, but he, he made sure that he brought them down and those two and a half, two and a half um, tackles for loss. I, I think that's a really important thing because, you know, if there's something that, that if there's something that, that I think is still concerning about the defense is, and again, I, I mean, until they do it for six weeks or whatever, you're just not going to know. But the question marks continue is how many plays happen on the other side of the line of scrimmage? You know, they, they can have guys who can be solid. They can have guys who can be around the ball. They can have guys, you know, who can gang tackle. But do they have guys that can, you know, it's second and six and they turn it into third and eight instead of third and three because they're able to split a gap and they're able to put somebody down in the back um, in the backfield for that loss. And um, I thought that was the most encouraging part because I think of, of all of the defenders um, in the front six, I thought he was the most, his presence was the most in the, uh, in the, in the backfield. Um, and I yeah. think that's what they need. And so I thought, I thought that was really good. Um, you know, uh, Vicajo, um, uh obviously starting, I, I thought he left some plays out there. I thought he had an opportunity. Um, and again, you know, there's no shame in missing um, Keenan Christian in space. But 
that you know that's that's what you would hope a senior would be able to do. Um, so I thought there was like there was a couple things that he missed and had a couple opportunities that he had that he didn't quite finish. Um, but I thought that his progression has been you know really good, you know. But I, I still have I still have questions about Cooper McDonald, um, and it's not so much his physicality, his intelligence, none of those things. It's just the way that the offense was able to sometimes go wide, sometimes go up the middle, sometimes do a little screen here. Sometimes I just could not help but think of um, Caden McDonald as the Sam, Sam linebacker. You know, they put him in the middle, they moved him back, and the moment they moved him back, all of those kind of weird misdirection things, they just weren't as successful anymore because he just had the ability to read the play, to disrupt it, even if he wasn't making the tackle. And it just, I just wonder. Because he, you know, Cooper, when we talked to him, said he's got to play like he plays the position. And I think that's really important. But in terms of the defense as a whole, what Caden McDonald brought in terms of being able just to sniff out a play before the snap, being able mm-hmm. to, to get out to a, you know, a bubble screen, being able to get out to uh, making the right read when it came to um, any sort of a read option, things of that nature. And just the fact that, you know, like you didn't see on any of those jet sweeps, you, you didn't see him or any of the defensive linemen be able to to make that play. And obviously, I'd have to look at him again to see if exactly which side they went to. But that was just that's just a question that I have. And then finally, man, going going out to the the, the secondary, man, what did, what did you see from the DBs in the scrimmage and and how that's shaping up for the year? You know, I feel pretty good about the DBs, but, you know, the first two touchdowns were broken tackles in space. And you always go back to that Arizona game last year, this game, and how many missed tackles they had on receivers in the slot. They cleaned it up most of the rest of the season. Fresno State game, maybe an exception. But they cleaned it up, and I, I think... Those are the guys. I think what the first one was Celestine on Shaw, and then I think it was a coffee on Philippe Wesley. I believe so. Yep. Um, so those those are guys. You know, they're war. They're safeties guys in the slot that are missed tackles. So I think, you know, outside of that, they did give up a, a Balen Brooks had a catch, uh, a deep catch where the corner I forget who was covering him kind of lost the ball. And it was kind of thrown like a flutter ball, and Balin just kind of turned and fell down with the ball into his stomach, and the corner was kind of looking the other way. Um, that was uh, number twenty. He the Aztec, yeah, and he and he moved to Warrior for that play. Interestingly yeah. enough, yep. So yeah, that, that's you know those are things that they need to clean up, and and uh, kind of reminds you of a little bit of the downfall of last year, but. Otherwise, I mean, I think I love the experience of the corners and the safeties. Uh, add in Marcus Ratcliffe, obviously doesn't have the experience, but he's got the the talent. I still think that the strength of the defense, although the linebackers are getting there, especially with Cody Moon getting to that to his comfort level. Uh, but I think you're going to have to rely on them. I think they're going to play a lot of man. Coach Hoke said that also on Tuesday after practice that we're, we could be a big man team this year and blitz a lot with safeties and linebackers. And so they're going to rely on those corners and those warrior safeties covering in space, uh, man, man. And if you're going to, if they're going to do that, that means they have the, the coaching staff at least have the confidence in those guys to be able to step up. And then the players are going to have to step up. But I like what I see from the secondary for the most part, at least going up against the San, San Diego state offense, right? We'll see once again, what's a real game start. I completely agree. Um, and I, I would just say, it's, I think it's the same sort of comment, um, that you had from Miles Moreau that, you know, you get a TCU transfer, you get a Texas transfer, and they don't just automatically leap to the guys that are here. And I think it's yeah. volume to, to, you know, what they've been able to build. Um, but I think everything that you said is, 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 is terrific. I, I'm really curious about Josh, but Josh, Josh Butler. Brought them together, Josh Hunter and Eric Butler. Um, just mm-hmm. where, where where they're at, you know. Obviously, they shined really big in the first scrimmage, and just you know, it, 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 where where are they prepared to to bring those young guys? And you know, it's it's seemingly shaping up to where you could have a veteran on the defensive line, the linebackers, and the young guys could be in the secondary 
which I guess is the script, but going, you know, normal football, but going into the season, I don't think anybody would have guessed yeah. that the youth and inexperience would have been on the back end. Yeah, definitely interesting. We're just excited to actually have real games to cover. Ohio is nine days away. We will be uh, working on our Ohio preview uh, over the next few days, and we'll have that out mid early to mid next week. And then Saturday, August 26th, 4 p.m., Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, no, I'm I I can't wait. Um, it's great to be it's great to be a football season, man. I mean that that's just that's just the bottom line. Football season is here. All of the preview articles, all of the what will it be, what will it be? Well, here it is because this Ohio team is really really good, and um, they're gonna they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have their work cut out for them to be able to start the season off on at a high point. Yep. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed our discussion of the scrimmage on Saturday, plus, you know, our five up, five down discussion. So stay tuned. Our next episode, we'll have an interview with a non-football coach that we, Paul and I had a chance to chat with. Uh, and we'll probably get in a, uh, a preview of the Ohio game. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.